0: All right, welcome back to the Christian Tactician Podcast. I am your host, Adam Yates. Thank you so much for taking a few moments to spend time with me today. I appreciate your support of this podcast. I appreciate all those who've taken the time to reach out to me to tell me that this is something that they listen to that's worthwhile. I uh, am grateful for the opportunity to uh, share these things that are important to me. I am grateful that uh, I have people who have a desire, men who have a desire to be strengthened in their Christian manhood to be uh, encouraged in uh, the way of following Christ as Christ desired us to, not as the world would tell us to, but as Christ laid out. This is a difficult thing. We're talking about something that is difficult that our society today is not helpful in. Our society is uh, against manhood. But as I, uh, as I begin this podcast, I want to begin, as I always do, telling you this is something that I am very passionate about. I'm passionate about calling men to manhood. I'm passionate about working for Christian manhood, for Christ-like manhood, for walking the way that he asked me to walk as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as someone who he's given responsibility for. I'm passionate about encouraging you. You know, we we have this responsibility as men to walk as we ought to walk in the way that Christ called us to, and it's difficult. And uh, so often we need someone to uh, encourage us. We need a cheerleader. And, uh, and I hope that I'm doing that for you. You know, I, I want to tell you, and again, as I always begin, I want to tell you that I believe with my whole heart that the Lord knew what He was doing when He created you, that He knew how to bring you to where He wants for you to be. He chose for you to be a man. And in His wisdom, in His choosing, in His directing, in His orchestrating your life, He knows how to strengthen you and how to get you where He wants you to be. I have a new quote that I think I'm going to begin every single one of these podcasts with. And as I was looking and doing some, some, uh, some research, getting ready for this particular podcast the other day, this quote just stood out to me. And so this quote is, uh, it's by a man named Heraclitus, but we're going to, I'm going to use this at the beginning of every single one of these podcasts, dogs also bark at what they do not know. You know that's an interesting quote. If you think about it, it sounds kind of silly. Dogs also bark at what they do not know. But I, I want us to think about this in terms of manhood. Why is manhood offensive? Why is manhood something that people are intimidated by? Why is manhood something that, uh, you know, the 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 very things that I'm talking about in this podcast about uh, men taking up that leadership role within their homes, within their families. Uh, all of these things. Why is that something that is offensive to the world? You know, not only do I think that that the world has been influenced and 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 all that by Satan, and he is clearly against everything that God designed and wants to be done, but I also think that men over the ages have done a terrible job of exemplifying manhood. And so now, when you have people come in, Christians who come in, people like me who want to encourage us to manhood, to true manhood, to Christian manhood, to Christ-like manhood, leadership, responsibility, it's It's been so watered down. It's been so distorted. It's been so misused. It's been so uh, it's been used like a weapon, like a baseball bat to beat people down this this concept of manhood that people don't know what real manhood is. And so dogs also bark at what they do not know. You have an opportunity in your life as you listen to these things, not because of what I'm saying, hopefully I'm just giving you the words of Christ, I'm giving you some of His direction in a little different way than you heard it before. And as you put it to use in your life, as you put Christ's word to use in your life, as you begin to exemplify the manhood, the aspects of being a man that Christ exemplified that He called us to, you're going to help people understand what it really should be. You're going to help your daughter to have her eyes open to see what a real man is going to look like when she's looking for a a husband someday. You're going to help your sons to realize how you're supposed to treat a woman, how you're supposed to handle responsibilities, how you're supposed to be courageous and all of those things, so that they know what it looks like. So I want you to think about that. Dogs also bark at what they do not know. The world doesn't know what Christian manhood looks like. Let's take opportunity as we try to encourage each other and as we try to take up this mantle of Christian manhood to show the world what Christ really wanted us to be. So what am I going to talk about today? We're going to talk about this aspect of manhood, about being a warrior. And this is one of those, you know, I... This has got to be the most difficult topic for me to address because it hits so close to so many aspects of symbolism, of calls to action, of different types and examples, and and it's also very motivating. You know, when we talk about what it is to be a warrior, probably most of us who are listening to this, we have a picture in our mind, and we can think of a thousand different examples because it's everywhere. Because being a warrior... Doing something that requires your physical exertion and, and, and the fight against something and all that, it comes naturally to men. It's probably the aspect of manhood that we connect with the most, and yet one that can be difficult to find balance. I would say, you know, the hardest aspect of manhood is probably that aspect of being a friend. That's probably the hardest one we have, because it takes opening ourselves up and it takes emotion and listening and all that. But we connect with a warrior, don't we? because in our mind we think of warriors as this as this man who stands up against evil and who is fighting and who's doing all these there, there there's, there's this thing in us as men we automatically draw and connect to that you know one of the things I, I I recognize is that we think of warriors in a way that does not show the true difficulties of battle think about movies you watch things like that you know every warrior hero in that movie every trigger, that he has. Every bullet that leaves his gun, it hits and kills a bad guy, right? He's going to be better with a gun, with a sword, with a whip. He's going to be better with a spoon than any of the foes that he faces. He rarely ever gets wounded. And if he does, even though that wound is so much worse, then the bad guy who he killed got, got hit. Even though your hero gets wounded way worse than anybody else in there, he's always going to be able to fight through it. You know, w- w- the way that we've been shown through Hollywood and all that doesn't show what the true aspects of being a warrior is in in a physical sense, right? You know, movies don't show the internal battles. You ask uh, anybody who's actually been in combat, anybody who's actually had to fight fight, for their life, for most of them, even though uh, they may be able to handle it, they may have been able to function. It was terrifying. Some of them, it might not have been terrifying, but it certainly wasn't pleasurable, right? If you if you look at or you read or you uh, watch some of these documentaries of these men who have gone into combat. You know, a lot of them went in with high hopes and and excitement and all of this because they're trained and all that. They've never really seen the horrors of it. They've never really felt the emotions of it. And when that time came, they were forever changed. And, and that's really what a warrior is. A warrior doesn't desire battle he accepts it as part of of reality but it's not something that he's drooling for that he's that he's just longing for you know I want to go kill somebody you know because uh, as far as real life you know there's a couple of books one of them's called on killing the other one's called on combat you know I read both of these as a police officer and I and it helped me to kind of see some of those things because you know the reality is is a very small percentage of people are predisposed to be able to handle death and killing without thought or without trouble. A very small percentage. And that very small percentage, they're called sociopaths. And a sociopath is someone who is marked by antisocial behavior and a lack of conscience. The, the reality is, is even those men, you think about it, you know, uh, throughout our military and throughout the world's military, there are men who they are they are the epitome of warriors. Their life is dedicated to learning how to fight battle the best way possible. But even them, even those men, even those people who do that, you know, they're, it's not what the, the movies show. Because the truth about uh, being a warrior is that it's difficult. Being a warrior is difficult. Physically, you know, this physical warrior aspect that we would talk about, you know, standing up for right, going over to some country, fighting a, a righteous battle for our country and things like that, you know, it's difficult. It is not easy. The fear of death, of wound, uh, the psychological difficulties that happen when causing carnage and, and brutality of war, when taking somebody's life. You know, it's not something that most people relish in. It's not something that uh, makes somebody want a parade. You talk to men who have been in combat. They don't talk about it as if it's all glittery and wonderful. It's difficult. And on a spiritual aspect, being a warrior— is difficult. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look at some different things here, but I I want to tell you this. If you are going to be a Christian man, you must be a warrior. And what is a warrior? A warrior makes war. A warrior fights. But a thug, a brute, an abuser, a vigilante, a pirate, right? They also fight. So what is the difference? What's the difference between a warrior who fights and makes war and a thug or a brute an abuser, a vigilante. A warrior is a man who is under control. You know, we talked about control, about self-control. We talked about these things in previous podcasts. A warrior has to be one who is under control. He has to be uh, one who answers to a higher authority. He has orders. He's trained. He has a basis of tactics and theory on how to make war. Our higher authority is God. We answer to him. Our manual, and our general orders are the scriptures. They guide our actions and our responses. I have in my notes here, I have this word vigilante bolded and underlined for me to come back to because I want to tell a quick story. There was a time as a police officer that we were uh, working a uh, a certain neighborhood where there was all sorts of problems and, and difficulties, you know, and it was a, a bunch of young thugs who were going around just causing chaos. And one day there was a, there's a, a, a little car wash there, shady car wash. It's one of those where you go and you put your, your coins in in there and you wash it yourself and all that. You know, I mean, it's not one that's, you know, that, that you, uh, your vehicle drives into and it gets pulled around and clean. There's one you, you clean it yourself. And one day we, we ended up there. There was a old lady. She was probably in her, oh, late seventies. She had been there washing her car and a group of these thugs came up and they robbed her they thumped her in the head with something she's bleeding from her head they stuffed her in the trunk of the car they locked it and they left and uh, you know this old lady sitting there bleeding shaken terrified terrified you know it reminded us of our grandma and what did we want after that we wanted to find those guys who did that and we wanted some good old fashioned street justice we're going to tune these guys up we're going to stomp them into the ground there's no way that they're going to do this to granny vigilante justice you know these are there there are these things as a warrior because Because a warrior has a sense of justice and has a sense of right, but if it's not a sense of justice and a sense of right that is under control and that is based in orders and and an answer to a higher authority— then, then a warrior does call uh, come back to be a vigilante, and that's not what we're supposed to be either. If we don't have uh, something and someone who gives us uh, the direction for how we wage war, we become a thug. If we don't have orders that tell us how we make war, we become a brute. You know, you can't, and, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but you know, I know that there are instances where you have people in positions of authority, police officers and and military who do cross lines, excessive force and things like that. Why is it? You know, sometimes it's because they just they they've lost control. Sometimes they they haven't paid attention to their orders, to know what is and what isn't appropriate. You know, these are these things that they're about us in the world, they're around us in the world and they're also around us in our life as we try as men to be warriors. And so I want you to consider that. Do you know who you answer to? Do you know Know what your responsibility is. A warrior has a, a very keen and very clear understanding of what his responsibility is, of what he is tasked with defending or fighting, who it is that he is working for, who's under his protection, to what means he can uh, protect them. These are things that you have to have some understanding of in your life. You know, by our nature, males exhibit some level of physical aggression. Some level of violence, some level of uh, physical confrontation and struggle. If you doubt me when I say that, watch some young boys. Watch a couple of young boys. You know, you bring them together. From the time that they're able to walk and begin to interact with each other, what do you see a couple of young boys doing? From the time they're able to walk. You know they may walk up to each other to play, but next thing you know, someone is going to push the other one. And as they get a little bit older, you're going to see without any prompting, they're going to have an uh, an impromptu wrestling match. They're going to have competitive feats of strength. They're going to take sticks and they're going to make them into swords and guns. And that is across the board. You know, you can you can have pacifist parents, and you stick a couple of boys out there in the woods where they've got they're going to grab some sticks and they're going to have sword fights. They're gonna do this thing, why? Because by nature men exhibit some level of physical aggression. You know, there's this interesting thing. I don't know if you've seen this this uh, video, but you know our world right now is being surrounded with this whole transgender movement nonsense. I was reading an article one time uh, not that long ago where the, the the basis of it was is you know you can you can try to change the look of a man into a woman, but you can't change some of those manly aspects Directed me towards a YouTube video. Where this transgender former military man, who is now transgender, dressed like a woman and everything, you know, nice square jaw, this this guy, girl, whatever, whatever he is, you know, big arms, clearly works out. I mean, looks like a man, you know, with a wig. But uh, he's on this talk show, and Ben Shapiro, uh, uh, conservative um, man, there is also there, and they're having this conversation about transgender. And at some point in this this transgender female former military male, you know, puts his arm around the back of Ben Shapiro and puts his hand on his neck and because he didn't like something that Ben Shapiro had said. And he tells him, you cut that out now or you'll go home in an ambulance. You can't change some of these aspects of manhood. There is something ingrained in us as men for confrontation, for some level of physical aggression, of violence, being willing to have a struggle. If it's not tempered, if it's not trained, If it's not under control, you are not a warrior. You become a brute. You become a pirate. You become an abuser. You become someone who uses your strength, your masculinity, your ability, uh, your intellect, whatever those things are, as a hammer, as a baseball bat, and beat people down. And, you know, we, we had talked in a previous podcast about meekness, and meekness truly is, truly is what a warrior should be clothed in. Meekness. I can, but I don't. Having ability, but not necessarily doing it. Falling back on his orders, falling back on his understanding of what it is that is worthy of his time, of his fight, of his battle, all those things. You know, this is what a warrior ought to be. You know, I want to uh, cut right here to a speech from a movie, uh, from the movie Braveheart, and, and I want us to listen to this, and this is a stirring speech that is given, and, and I want you to think about it. As you listen to this speech, as you listen to this, and you know, I'm sure this isn't what William Wallace really said before this battle, but whoever the writer was, they wrote something that was awesome here, and it and it is inspiring. And I'm certain that that these sorts of words have inspired men to be willing to give their life for thousands of years because a warrior has to have something that is worth fighting for. So let's listen to this speech here and we'll come back after that and talk about it.
1: I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You have come to fight as free men, and free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? No. Against that? No. We will run, and we will live. Die? Right. Fight, and you may die. Run. Oh, freedom!
0: If you've seen the movie. You know what happens after that. There is a serious battle going on. You know something that I that I think about in this particular um, speech is is that you know he's calling them. You know that there's got to be something that is worth fighting for. What is worth fighting for for them? He says. You know it's got to be your freedom. It's got to be a country. It's got to be the ability to live your life in a way that's not under the boot of somebody else and he says some of you are going to die that's just the way it is a warrior is a man that willingly sacrifices i mean that that's that's part of it right warriors suffer warriors they're they're wounded sometimes warriors die you know, some, somehow, and I think a lot of it is because of Hollywood and because, you know, we want to make it seem like you can wage you can wage battle and never have a drop of your blood spilled. But the reality is, is that part of being a warrior is being willing to sacrifice. And, you know, in the spiritual aspect, what is it that you're willing to sacrifice? You know, we're fighting spiritually for life, right? For eternal life. And so what do you end up sacrificing? You know, sometimes you might have to sacrifice friendships. People might walk away from you. You might be viewed as an inconvenience, a frustration. You might find yourself not invited places. You might find yourself, I've said it so many times in previous podcasts, you know, lacking sleep, staying up late, finding yourself for hours on your knees in prayer, asking for your strength, for the strength of others, being willing to uh, stand up and speak on behalf of somebody else, to stand against evil. You know, that's that's what the price is that is paid. You know there has to be something that is worth fighting for in your life, a spiritual battle. You know we talked about that when I talked about and I laid out those four things, those four things about what I think a man is. You know a man does not stand idly by. A man desires and accepts responsibility. A man leads from the front, and a man and a man has an expectation of something that is greater from God. Something that makes it willing, you know, it makes him willing to sacrifice being willing to have people walk away from you because oh, that guy, you know, he won't do this or he won't do that. You know, he stands up for his morals. He stands up for, you know, tells me not to do something that I, that, that I want to do because it's not right. There must be something that, that is, is worthy of you sacrificing for, worthy of you engaging in this battle of Christian manhood, something that's lasting, something that's bigger than yourself, something worthy of sacrifice. You know, you have an eternal soul, it will last forever. And where it lands in eternity, a great portion of that decision is yours because you're making decisions every day on where you land in there. And we are in a battlefield, a spiritual battlefield. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. What else is worthy of sacrifice? You know, the eternal soul of your wife, of your children, of your friends, of those people who are around you. You know, a man's willing to take on responsibility. Those people who wander into your realm, those people who are part of it, those people who who interact with you, you have some responsibility over. Are you willing to sacrifice? For them, are you willing to be uncomfortable for them? A warrior is someone who's willing to be uncomfortable. Think about those guys who spent, you know, all that time in trenches in World War One. You know, I, I I talked about in one of these previous podcasts, you know, Band of Brothers and and looking at these guys in Easy Company, the Battle of the Bulge in Bastogne. You know, there's one guy who he says, you know, even on the coldest night, coldest night you can think of, he says, I'll tell my wife, you can ask her. Man, I'm glad I'm not in Bastogne. Warriors are uncomfortable. There is a price to be paid, but along with the price to be paid, there is a blessing in the end, and there is satisfaction that can come. There's satisfaction. You know, I I, I'm looking forward. Well, I'm I'm looking forward one day, long time in the future, to laying on my deathbed, long long time in the future, laying on my deathbed and looking back at a life that was spent for Christ, looking at successful children and grandchildren, hopefully great-grandchildren, my wife of, you know, I hope hope 70 years or more, I hope more than that, looking at souls that I've been able to interact with and have some sort of effect on, you know, there is a blessing to the suffering and to the price that we pay. If you are making war, if you are engaged in spiritual warfare, if you are facing Satan, When he uh, tries to attack you every day rather than giving up, rather than throwing your hands up, rather than being wounded and retreating, confronting that enemy is going to come at a cost. You must know that. This should not bother you as a Christian warrior. You know, it didn't bother Christ. Do you remember that place in Scripture where Christ was talking about, he says, you know, if a man does not does not eat of my body and, and drink of my blood, there's no life in him. You know, he was he was talking about these things. He wasn't talking about, you know, physical, his flesh and physical his blood. You know, he was he was he was explaining things to the people there. But it says after that, there was many of his disciples that no longer walked with him. They walked away. And did he run and try to get them back and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said those things, I shouldn't have laid out what my what my father told me to? No. He looked at who else was still there and he said, Are you gonna leave me too? I'm, I'm not changing. This is my battle that I'm here to fight. So we shouldn't be bothered as a Christian warrior when we stand up for what's right, when we fight these spiritual battles, when we use the sword of the Word of God and we confront Satan where he's at and where he's attacking, and we might find ourselves sometimes alone. It shouldn't bother us. You know, the reality is, is that people are afraid of warriors, Because a warrior courageously handles problems. You know, it's interesting to think for all of the negativity about police and things like that. This uh, you know going on currently, for all the negativity, for all the negativity about police, about law enforcement, people frustrated with them. You know, from they're too heavy-handed to they're taking our liberties and all that sort of stuff. Did you watch after the Boston Marathon when they finally found and and finished this battle? With these men who tried to kill thousands of people if they could. The people of Boston were on the sidewalks cheering the Boston SWAT team as they're driving by in their armored vehicles after that. You know, because even though people might have some frustrations, when it comes to danger, when it comes to lives being taken, when it comes to that, people are looking for a courageous warrior to come in. Your children are looking for someone to handle the problems of life. And you, as a godly Christian man, you fight those battles, you point them to Christ, you help them through it, you fight Satan off at every step. You know, a large majority of people are afraid, and they're uninclined to violence. This is how millions of people have been systematically killed. The Jews, millions of them taken, they were they were, they were not willing to fight. You know, uh, you look at the Russians, you look at, you know, Lenin and then Stalin, and you know, these, you know, they killed millions of people because millions of people are, are uninclined. They're not willing to physically fight, you know, and you can go down the list of dictators, of men who went in and they destroyed and they killed millions of people, you know, Pol Pot, um, Mao Zedong, all these, you know, there's, there's no shortage of them because it's difficult, because it's uncomfortable to confront. It's difficult to do. And when you see men who are willing to do that, when you see men who are willing to go walk into a firefight, it can be a little bit intimidating. But you know, a warrior, a warrior doesn't desire and doesn't take joy in inflicting pain or death, but he accepts it as part of his responsibility. And I want to read here about this man. Named Moroni, and this is in the Book of Mormon, and I'm going to read in Alma chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 132 to 139. And you know, I've never, I haven't, I haven't said anything about this in any of my previous podcasts. I realize there are people who are listening to this who are not necessarily part of our church, and you may not have known ahead of time that I believe in the Book of Mormon. I'm not a Mormon. The uh, doctrine of Mormonism, a lot of those things that have put them on the map as far as people looking at their beliefs and saying, "Man, that's weird." You don't find those things in the Book of Mormon. In fact, you find the Book of Mormon preaching against it. But why do I say all that? You know, you may not necessarily... Believe that the Book of Mormon is the word of God, and so if you don't, I, I would ask that you still listen to those things that are said and think of it just as you would, you know, a, a good piece of advice that you would read somewhere from a, uh, you know, from someone, from scholar or something like that, as far as direction on life. Even if you don't believe it to be scripture, I believe it to be scripture, and I found uh, such amazing blessing and direction through it. But I want to read here about this man here. His name was Moroni, and rather than saying anything more, I'm just going to read this description of him. So Alma chapter 21, verse 132. And Moroni was a strong and a mighty man. He was a man of perfect understanding. Yea, a man that did not delight in bloodshed. A man whose soul did joy in the liberty and the freedom of his country and his brethren from bondage and slavery. Yea, a man whose heart did swell with thanksgiving to his God for the many privileges and blessings which he bestowed upon his people. A man who did labor exceedingly for the welfare and safety of his people. Yea, and he was a man who was firm in the faith of Christ, and he had sworn an oath to defend his people, his rights, his country, his religion, even to the loss of his blood. Now the Nephites were taught to defend themselves against their enemies, even to the shedding of blood if it were necessary. Yea, and they were also taught never to give an offense, yea, and never to raise the sword except it were against an enemy, except it were to preserve their lives. And this was their faith, that by doing so God would prosper them in the land. Or in other words, if they were faithful in keeping the commandments of God, he would prosper them in the land, yea, and warn them to flee, or to prepare for war according to their danger. And also that God would make it known to them whether they should go to defend themselves against their enemies, and by so doing... The Lord would deliver them. And this was the faith of Moroni, and his heart did glory in it, not in the shedding of blood, but in doing good, in preserving his people, yea, in keeping the commandments of God, yea, in resisting iniquity. You know, if you read about it, this man Moroni, he was a warrior. He led armies and he killed. And it says here that he didn't enjoy it, it wasn't a delight that he had in bloodshed. But he realized that it was necessary for the liberty and the freedom of his country, and he did it as a man who had a firm faith in Christ. He was willing to fight to defend his people, his rights, his country, his religion, even to give his own life for it. You know, he came from a people, and they were taught that you are allowed to defend yourself. You don't don't go and you don't kill somebody. You don't go and attack somebody. You are allowed to defend yourself. You don't give an offense. You're able to protect lives. And they said, and and, you know, their belief was is if they do that, and if they are faithful in keeping the commandments of God, that God would help them to prosper in the land, and that he would warn them if they needed to flee or to prepare for war. And that, you know, he would help them to know what it is that they should do, and he would deliver them if they were faithful, if they believed and they followed his word. And this was Moroni's faith. And he took glory in the fact that not in shedding blood. But in preserving his people, and it says, in keeping the commandments of God and resisting iniquity. You know, this is both sides of the warrior coin, the physical and the spiritual. That he was willing to sacrifice his own life if it was necessary, just like millions, millions of men over the years have done in defense of their lives and of their freedom and things like that but he also was willing to labor against and to fight against iniquity you know he held himself to the standard of Jesus Christ he knew what his orders were he knew who his authority was and in doing so he battled spiritually against those things that tried to destroy his people society is afraid of warriors though they make people uncomfortable because they don't run from confrontation that's one of those things that that you need to have in your mind and, you know, in the academy, in the police academy, we were taught the warrior mindset. We were taught this warrior mindset. We were taught that if you get hurt, if you get injured, you get up and you fight through it. We were taught that, you know, you you take the fight to someone who is trying to hurt you. We, we were taught that you're willing to fight, that you're willing to give your own life, that you're willing to sacrifice and be uncomfortable and even to to the shedding of your own blood. For somebody else. You know, we were taught a warrior mindset. Years later, in the police academy, they, they changed it, right? Society changed. We don't like police officers being called warriors. Ferguson happened. They didn't like SWAT team members. They didn't like the look of that. People who were, you know, these men who were just trying to keep control over a situation that was out of control. We didn't like that. Society didn't like it. What do we want to do? You know, the police are too militaristic. We need to we need to change it. So what they tried to, started doing in the police academy is is they stopped teaching the warrior mindset. And they change it to a guardian. We want you to be a guardian. And, you know, on the surface, you think, well, that's not that bad. I mean, a guardian, that's an, important, that's an important thought process. You know, you guard something. But what is the difference? You know, a warrior makes war. A Christian warrior makes war against Satan, against sin, against temptation, against suffering. A guardian... You know, that's someone who stands guard and protects, and that's not bad. But it lacks a proactive element that a man must have. Proactive, looking for dangers and addressing them. We've talked about this in previous podcasts. We've talked about this when it comes to things like pornography, when it comes to things like where your eyes go, we've talked about this, about checking your 90s, about considering what you do, where you go, being proactive so you don't fall into traps, so you don't find yourself wounded, so you don't find yourself down. A warrior, a warrior is someone who is proactive. A warrior is someone who goes after the enemy doesn't just wait for them to come because satan is active and he is looking for opportunity and we have to we have to meet him we have to fight him we have to be preparing our families telling them ahead of time you know teaching your children letting them know what the dangers are encouraging your friends that satan is out there and he is trying to to win he is trying to destroy, he is trying to, to uh, brutalize every one of us if he can. Although logically linked to someone who is engaged in war, a warrior is anyone who fights the good fight, who fights for Christ. But I, I, want, I want you to think about this. Consider your children. Consider the assault that our society is coming with, and it's led by Satan. A warrior is not just responsive, he's proactive, looking ahead, preparing the battle plans, considering options and tactics, teaching his children, warning them ahead of time, fighting the fight through God's Word, through the sword of God's Word. You know, what is this podcast what is this? I hope you see what this is. Not only is it my passion, but this is how I am trying to be a Christian warrior. I'm trying to be proactive and I'm looking ahead. What is the tactic that I'm using? I'm using this new, this, this, I mean, podcasts aren't new, but it's new for me and it's slightly uncomfortable. Right? Because I know anybody in the world can listen to this, and any number of them can be offended and it make my life miserable. But, you know, I'm, I'm using this tactic to try to warn and to try to teach and to try to encourage. Right? This is what warriors do. Are you looking for how you can share the Word of God and how we overcome the dangers of this world with those around you? Not just responsive. Are you being proactive? Are you looking ahead? Are you finding ways? This is what a warrior does. That guy who I had that opening quote from, he makes this, this uh, there's this quote that's attributed to him. You look on the internet, some people say it's him, some people say it wasn't, but this is the quote attributed to him. Out of every 100 men, 10 shouldn't even be there. 80 are just targets. Nine are the real fighters, and we're lucky to have them, for they make the battle. Ah, but the one, one is a warrior, and he will bring the others back. You know a warrior is motivating to those who are around him. He exudes confidence that comes from training, from skill, and from experience. You know that's one thing that I that I saw that in the in the police department. I'm sure military guys see that. You know, there are those men around there that you know, they've learned and they've grown in their training. They have skill with their weapons and with their tactics and they and they've had some experience and you know, they exude it just comes off of them confidence, not cockiness. But, you know, I, I, I look to those men. There were those men that I saw in my police career, you know, on the SWAT team and stuff. They, they've been there, and they've done that. And they recognize how, what their limitations are. And, you know, when something went bad, those are the guys that you looked for. You look to, how are they reacting? And I found myself that, that I began to gain more confidence more confidence when you know that I could handle anything that was thrown at me. I felt confident. There's, I you know, at this point, I feel like there was just about anything that I can imagine in my mind as a police officer could have happened. That I felt confident that I could have at least initially begun to handle it. Not that I would have solved it perfectly, but it wouldn't make me want to cower and run away. Uh, so am, am I like that spiritually? Oh man, I'm working on it. I'm not not necessarily there yet. But, you know, as a warrior, we're always training, we're always learning. You know, you're getting in your scriptures, you're, you're understanding God's Word, you're putting it to use in your life, you're asking your mentors, your friends around you, you know, you're sharpening each other. A warrior's motivating to those around him, and you can be motivating to those around you. When you overcome a, a, uh, a sin, a difficulty, when you come out the backside of a terrible trial, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways, I mean, God has been so good. He'd been so good to me. And we, you know, my family and I, you know, we've gone through a terrible trial. The difficulty I never thought that I would go through. And, you know, now it feels like in so many ways we're coming out the backside of it. And I don't know what's going forward, what's gonna happen. You know, there may be more trials yet to come, but I'm here to tell you that from my experience, from being involved in this battle, this this battle that that a good portion of it over the last year and a half or so was was spiritual. It was between my ears. I feel like I've come out of it so much stronger. And I feel like I can give and I can be motivating to those who go through trials like I have. You know, this is true spiritually. When you overcome, you're motivating to those who are around you. But but I want to look here in Scripture, and I, wanna, I want you to look at, you know, the truth of this, of this quote that I had here. You know, that warrior, he brings the others back. When people are afraid, when they're terrified, you know, that warrior— that warrior brings the others back. And, And I want you to consider what David's men did after David showed them that a giant could be defeated. Remember, in a previous podcast I talked about this, that it was the fear of giants that stopped the people of Israel from going into the promised land. Remember, Caleb was the one who said, no, we can go and we can do this. Remember, it was the fear of giants. And that fear was there for years. And, you know, David went and he killed Goliath because one man, a giant, terrified an entire army. But once he did it, that warrior David was motivating to those who were around him. So 2 Samuel chapter 21, I'm going to read verses 15 through 22. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with them, and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbinibob, which was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed three hundred shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, succored him, and smote the Philistine, and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel. And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob, and Sebachai, the Hushathite slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanon the son of Jerarogim the Bethlehemite slew the, the brother of Goliath the Gittite, whose staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath. And there was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. And he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Think about that, that there was giants that caused entire entire nations to fear going into a place. There was giants that stopped entire armies in their tracks. One man was a warrior. One man took up the mantle of Christian warrior, and he showed that it could be overcome and he inspired men around him, and they realized that this was something that was not insurmountable. These giant men whose you know spear was like a weaver's beam, you know, who were these enormous men who were intimidating. They were not invincible. They could be killed. And you know, you've probably heard sermons and things about this in the past that this is true in your spiritual life, right? This is true in your spirit. You are gonna face giants, giant temptations, giant trials, giant difficulties. They have names. You know, these these giant difficulties, they have names. The name of it is trouble in your marriage. The name of it is your child who is struggling spiritually, the name of it is losing your job. The name of it is financial troubles. The name of it is your boss giving you a terrible time. The name of these giants, you know, we could keep going down the line. We can overcome them, but we have to be involved in this spiritual battle, and we're going to talk about that now. What does this mean to us? You know, when we have victory over sin, temptations, and trials, when this is shared and seen, others take courage from us. But I'm talking here about spiritual Warfare. I'm not talking about physical warfare. Very few of us maybe will ever have to take up some weapon in defense. Some of you listening to this have had to do it, but most haven't and may never have to. Does that mean there's not a battle to be fought? There's an even greater battle. It's one for your eternal soul, for the eternal soul of your children, of your wife, of your friends of your of your mother and your father, your grandparents, of the stranger that's there on the street. There is a battle going on. How do we fight it? How do we face this? What does this battle look like? And how do we fight as Christian warrior men? I have three things here, and this isn't a complete list, but these are just some things that I wanted to, to mention here. First, I want you to ask yourself Do you recognize that there is a battle? At our youth camp, there is a class called spiritual warfare. And this is something that they pound into these kids is, you know, there is a battlefield, there is a battle going on. Satan is at war. You look through the scriptures, you can see that, you know, he's always been active and looking for for where he can step in and where he can destroy and deceive and cause troubles and difficulties and families and lives and marriages, all of those things, Satan is active. Do you see it? Do you recognize that there is a battlefield and it's in your mind? That Satan is able to attack you there. He's able to tempt you there. Are you facing him in battle? Do you realize that things like our society has done, normalizing divorce and single parenthood, homosexuality, transgenderism, society's love-hate relationship with suicide. Isn't that isn't that absolutely crazy? On one hand, it's this terrible thing that, that we're seeing is, you know, that, that it's happening more and more. And yet we have movies and TV shows about it. And, you know, we have websites and forums dedicated to it and all this stuff. We, we normalize these terrible things. Sleeping around, this this thought of free love, substance abuse, you know, drowning your sorrows in alcohol and in drugs and all of these things. Do we realize that these things are a battle against the Christian soul. When you look at the scriptures and you see where where Abraham was begging with God to save Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and he was begging for it because of his nephew Lot. And you know, if you, if you look in, in the book of Peter, it says that you know that Lot's righteous soul was vexed every day by all those things that were going on there. And why did the angels save him? Why did they drag Lot and his family out of there? Because they would not have survived those terrible things that were going on there. And I mean, of course, the Lord was destroying it. But what was going on there, you know, you can only hold out for so long if you don't proactively fight those things. You know, there's something else that we need to recognize. There's a battle. Tolerance of everything. Tolerance of everything. I have to be tolerant. I have to realize that there are people with different viewpoints, but I don't have to accept them as right or good. I don't have to applaud them. I don't have to enjoy them, you know. Among other places in Scripture, if you read Romans chapter one, it's very clear that we are not to be tolerant of everything. And I'm here to tell you, you know, if you if you followed along with me, you'll see that I use the King James version of the Bible. It doesn't sugarcoat it. There are things. I've just laid out a list of things. Divorce, single parenthood, homosexuality, transgenderism, this love-hate relationship with suicide, sleeping around, free love, substance abuse, tolerance of everything. These are things that are physically and spiritually destructive. These are the the weapons. These are the bullets. This is the artillery pieces. That are falling on your family that are falling on your friends your co-workers and perhaps even you how do you address this or do you not even think it's a problem if you don't think these things are a problem you're not engaged you're not following christ sorry you can be upset by that you can turn me off by that if you don't think these things are a problem You're not following Christ. Second thing, where do we get our orders from? Where do we get our understanding? Where do we get our tactics? If you aren't opening your scriptures, guys, if you're not opening your scriptures, you're shooting yourself in the foot. There's a way to handle these things. The Lord talks about it, His servants address it through book after book. How do you address these things? What do you do when you're having trouble with your marriage? Do you realize that that's laid out how you do it? Humility, asking for forgiveness, uh, being patient with one another. These things are there, you know, teaching us how to pray. This, This humbling of our heart and our mind and putting ourselves before the Lord, they are there. In the Word, we get our understanding and our orders and our tactics from good, moral, godly warriors around us, and we also get it, most importantly, I feel like, from God's Holy Spirit. If you're not feeling God telling you from time to time, whoa, hang on, don't go there, turn that off, don't let your mind go there. If you're not hearing that, then I'm going to tell you that you really need to be considering your spiritual walk. I find that more and more. I'll be watching something, or I'll be listening to something, I'll be getting ready to say something, and I'll feel the Lord, i it's just interjecting in my mind, I wouldn't do that. Don't say that. There's a better way. Are we Are we fighting with this? Are we Are we looking at our tactics and our understanding? Are we looking at our orders? What's the third thing I have here? You know how we fight these warriors, uh, these battles as Christian warriors. You know this third thing. You have to. There there must be action. I was reading a book, um, Black Hawk Down the book is 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 very very detailed and very good. You know, and there's this part there where there's one of these rangers and he was talking to he was talking to his mother and she was saying, "Why do you want to go to war? Why do you want to go to war?" And he said, "You know, imagine you spent your entire life learning and practicing how to be a nurse, but you never got to actually touch a patient." And he said, "This is this is what it is." And I, you know, I remember that for the band of brothers. Right, that very last episode where they're showing um, little bits of the interviews from all these guys, and one of those guys said, "You know, there were there were three or four guys in my town, they could not go to war, and they committed suicide." I'm not applauding that, but there was something in their mind. They wanted to be able to be a part of action. A warrior, a warrior is willing and is looking for where he can use his training and his skills in accordance with his general orders, in accordance with. His manual of arms, in accordance with that higher authority, but he's looking to do it. There has to be action, and I've talked, I've talked over and over again in these podcasts. Cross yourself. That's action. Dig your 90s. That's action. As a friend, are you willing to give faithful wounds to your other friends, taking action to call them up higher? You know, you can't be afraid to speak, to be mo- to be led to move. If God is the one who is directing it, this is how we battle as Christian men. I want to read. Very familiar verses here. Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 17. If you don't already know what this is, you need to get in your scriptures more. We're going to talk about the armor of God, and I'm going to hope to to draw this to a close here. Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you can be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I hope that these are familiar verses to you. And I want to take just a moment to say a couple things about each of these pieces of armor. And I want to start with the loins girt about with truth. You know, your belt is what holds it all together. How many of us, our pants would fall down if we didn't wear a belt? Truth is what makes you complete. Truth is what holds you together. This is why we can't compromise God's word. This is why we can't dumb it down or water it down. I know some of you are going to are gonna take a little bit of offense at this, but you. Know, this is why I use the King James Version of the Bible and not some more modern version that reads easier and all that. Because if you look at those things, we begin to water down. We begin to water it down to where now you have Bibles that they take out things that they don't like, that might possibly be offensive. We take away the truth of God, and we have nothing to hold us together. Now, now get away from my, my comment about Bibles if it offends you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. This is exactly how I feel, though. But think about in other ways. Are there other ways that Christianity today waters it down? Hey, you know, it's grace and not works. It doesn't matter what you do. Are you kidding me? That's not truth. That's not truth. Christ taught that everything you do matters, and it's laid out throughout the Scriptures. What you do matters. We can't dumb it down. You can't fight battle without truth. You can't fight sin without the truth of Jesus Christ. Have your loins girt about with truth. God's Word, uncompromised. God's Word. Move on to the next one. I'll get off of that rant for now, but I'm really passionate about that. Because if you look at Christianity today, because we want to make everything easier and to taste better and easier to accept, we dumb it down. Nobody benefits from that. Truth is what makes you complete. Having your loins girt about with truth, that's what holds it all together. You know, that breastplate, it covers your heart. Where decisions and emotions come from, you know, it's protected. Protected by the desire to follow God's word, righteousness. I want to do what he wants me to do. You know, your conviction, your conviction of the importance and the necessity of following God's word, that's what guards your heart. You know, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I have these boots that they're comfortable and they take me where I want to go. Ultimately, what takes you into any battle should be your desire for peace, peace from sin, peace from temptation, peace from wrong. To accomplish peace, your feet will take you into danger. Think about that. You know, this shield of faith, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we, we, not that it's not important, but you know, it, we have to have this belief that it's all worth it. This is what enables us to fight and protects us and protects our actions because I believe that there is a God who is able to deliver and so I can fight, knowing that there is something worthy of fighting for, and that protects me from the fiery darts of the wicked. You know that helmet, you know, your head is what is most readily seen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says that for a helmet that you put on the hope of salvation, where our words, where our thoughts come from, is covered and protected by the expectation of of salvation. And then it says that we take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Of all of those things that we just listed out, this is our only offensive weapon, God's word. We inflict damage to the enemy using the word of God. This is our offense. Not using my own impression, my own opinion. When I preach, I like to go heavy on scripture and light on opinion. Because if I'm using God's word, it's his word. It's his desire. It's his righteousness. It's his direction. My thoughts are not his thoughts. But fortunately, he's put his thoughts there. He's laid them out in Scripture, so I know what his thoughts are, and I know how to use it, and I know how to, how to fight and to wage battle against sin, against temptation. I know how to do it because he showed me how. He's given me the sword. So I've spent an hour now, and I didn't intend on it. And I could go another hour talking about different aspects of of being a warrior, you know, because I, I I had to cut. I had to cut from this and cut from this and cut from this because there's so many things I want to say, and we're going to build on this in future episodes. But I want you to think about that. A man has to be a warrior, but a warrior is someone who is under authority, who is under control, who understands his orders, who has a manual of arms who has an understanding of tactics. If you don't have those things, you're a brute, you're a thug, you're out for yourself. That's not what Christ ever was. So I hope that you consider some of these things. I hope that you're striving for Christian manhood. I hope that you consider whether or not you're actually fighting this battle. Are you giving ground? Are you not fighting? Have you been enslaved, taken captive? Or are you fighting with all your might against Satan as he's trying to make you angry, make you vindictive? Want to be a vigilante, getting, uh, you know, taking out your frustration on others, giving in to temptation, having those conversations that you shouldn't have. Are you doing those things? You can change it. You can turn the other way. You can take up this mantle of godly manhood. You can be a, a warrior, Christian warrior, if... You arise from the dust and be men.